Hi, I'm Finn, and I'm one of the Marine Ambassadors of Karen Primary School. I'm here with the other Marine Ambassadors, Stevie, Mia, and Will, and today we'll be teaching you about our precious and amazing spider crabs. Stevie will be telling you about what they are, Mia will be telling us about the threats they face, and Will will teach us how to prevent the horrific problems. Together, we can save these spectacular creatures from all the terrible things these poor creatures have to put up with. Now it is time for Stevie to tell us what they are. Thank you, Finn. G'day, my name is Stevie, and I'm going to inform you about what spider crabs are before we start with the main problem. The giant spider crab is native to southeastern Australia and often found in shallow water when molting. This crab can grow to be 16 centimetres across their carapace, or shell, and 17 centimetres along their legs, but most are not this large. Like a snake, they molt out of their old shell. Their new carapace is soft and makes them vulnerable to predators such as humans, stingrays, seals, and birds. For a while, scientists believed that molting was a possible mating act, but recently they have discovered that only the odd couple will mate during these conditions. Nobody really knows what happens after they retreat back to the depths of the ocean. You can visit the Melbourne Museum website to learn more about these fascinating creatures. Now passing you on to the safe and capable hands of Mia. Hello everyone, I'm Mia. By now you're probably wondering out of every animal, why are we talking about giant spider crabs? Well, the world-famous annual giant spider crab aggregation is the largest known crab migration in the world where thousands of spider crabs fill the shallows. The numbers swell into tens of thousands. The result is a moving mountain of crabs that can be two meters high and extend over one kilometers. This natural phenomenon takes place between the months of March to July each year in Port Phillip Bay, right here in Victoria. Many photographers, filmmakers, and tourists come here every year to catch a glimpse of these amazing creatures. It has even caught the attention of the famous Sir David Attenborough. There are people who catch giant spider crabs while they're in the shallows, and there is a restriction that you can only catch a maximum of 30 spider crabs. However, many people are catching more than 30 or are catching them without a license. Thanks, Mia. Hi, I'm Will, and today I will be informing you on how we can fix the problem of the spider crabs. Tens of thousands of spider crabs congregate in the shallows and under man-made piers, which gives them an added measure of safety from the natural predators, such as stingrays, small sharks, birds, octopus, and other crabs during the most vulnerable stage of their lives. Whilst this grants the public easy access to view this incredible event, it also renders the spider crab vulnerable to human predators. I think a way to stop the spider crabs from human predators is by signing a petition on the certain amount size or even weight of the spider crabs that you can catch. We would like you to spread the word and tell others about this problem. We have added some important links to our podcast that will help you see and share the concern we have for the spider crabs. Thanks for listening. As part of our investigation, we interviewed Mandy Robertson from the Dolphin Research Institute. Hi Mandy, I'm Stevie. Thanks for joining us on our Marine Ambassadors podcast. Can you tell us something about your role at the Dolphin Research Institute? Sure, Um, and thanks for having me. So I'm actually the education director down at Dolphin Research Institute, which means that basically in charge of running all of the education programs 
And that comes in two categories, basically. So obviously the ICI care program that you guys are part of uh, and amongst uh, other almost 100 schools, the leadership part, you know, when we see you each term usually and teach you about the connection to the marine environment and the things that you can do and we all need to do in our communities. But we also have just a standard education side as well. So schools will book in for a particular unit that they're studying. You know, they might come down to do a rock pool with us. They might come to our centre in Hastings and we'll do a programme there. Or we can go to them as well. And that can be anything from an hour to the whole day, basically. So, yeah, two different sides. So I'm juggling both sides and I have a team of educators that work with me. But, yeah, the, the... the box stops with me. I have to make sure I get it all coordinated and don't forget anything. Hi, Mandy. I'm Finn. Hey, Finn. And my question for you is, we are really concerned about the plight of the spider crabs in our bay and we are keen to ask you a few questions. Firstly, sure. is there a reason the spider crabs come here? Do they come here because of the good conditions? That's a great question. So we definitely know that they come in in one particular time of year for molting and molting basically means that they have to shed their old shell because they have an exoskeleton Mm -hmm. and grow a new one but they also come in in different times of the year in smaller numbers to feed and probably breed as well but we're not entirely sure of all of their movements and, and we're not entirely sure if they all leave Port Phillip Bay or do they just go out into the deeper waters of Port Phillip Bay as well so there's a lot of what we don't know about them what we do know is generally when we see them come close to shore and in the shallows and and do some of those behaviors okay hi Mandy I'm Mia have you seen the spider crab migration Port Phillip Bay and if so was it like I have, and that's what I thought I'd show my slides. So, yes, I've been, I'm really lucky enough to live literally between the two piers that they come to frequently, and that's Rye and Blairgowrie piers. Um, this year they were at Rye, last year they were at Blairgowrie, and I generally try and get in the water with them every year. So I've been doing that for several years now. And before that, I I actually just had a look at them from the pier, so just being land-based as well. So I'll share my screen and I'll show you what the crabs look like and what the aggregation can look like, you know, because it's pretty impressive. This is one of the spider crabs. Um, So you can see quite a, a big crab, although not one of the biggest. And this is what they generally end up doing when they aggregate. And that's what everyone comes to see. This is the sort of, you know, the really exciting time. This is what David Attenborough featured on Blue Planet 2. And it was also on the Magical Land of Oz, which was on earlier this year. And if you haven't seen any of those, either of those programs, I highly recommend you try and watch them because it is pretty amazing. 
Well, basically, when they come in, they can aggregate in, um, you know, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, and that depends on where they are. So we tend to get the sort of tens of thousands in the shallower waters, but we also know that there are bigger aggregations out in the deeper water, and that's usually seen by divers going off boats. It's not accessible from the shore, but it's pretty crazy. They just come in, and they're coming in in these numbers to molt, and that's a safety thing so you know they're very vulnerable to predators um, and that's natural predators like the stingrays and I'll show you a picture of that in a minute this photograph I actually took myself last year at Blair Gallery so you can just sort of see it's like a carpet basically and it's pretty cool they're pretty groovy to uh, snorkel with they're not aggressive they they're generally a little bit scared of you and will try and get away from you as quickly as possible. They're sort of not particularly worried about us. They're much more worried about, obviously, the things that they um, are trying to avoid being eaten by. And as I said before, they come into malt. So here we've got a picture of the, the spider crab half out. So you can see this is the old shell and this is the brand new shell emerging on the body so they'll pull out everything they'll pull all their legs out and everything and leave these old bits behind but when they first come out they're really soft and it takes a little while several hours to even maybe a, a day or two for the shell to fully harden and that means that it's they're really easy to eat and you can see there's a few of them around here and one of the things they will do is they will go up the legs of any structures of the piers that are there to try and avoid these guys okay so this is me earlier this year uh, coming face to face with one of the stingrays and they're interested in trying to eat the spider crabs so you can see it's a pretty amazing experience and i was really lucky enough to go in this year with first time i went in was by myself which is pretty rare and the second time i took my friend with me because i knew she wanted to see them because we managed to find somewhere that was just a little quieter than the craziness of Rye this year. Rye was really super busy. There were never, ever less than about 20 people in the water at any one time. So we were really lucky. And needless to say, I kept this spot very secret from pretty much everybody too, because I just wanted the crabs to be left alone in peace. So, yeah, it's a pretty amazing. And I fully recommend, you know, next year if anyone can get down, even if you're not um, a snorkeler, Often the water is beautifully clear in the winter because they do come in around early June and you can see them. So, and it's even just looking at them from the, the pier is still pretty jaw-dropping when you see how many there are and you just look down and think, wow, they've just come here and it's just in our backyard. Thanks, that looks so cool. Yeah, I'm pretty, I have to say I am very privileged and I know that <laughs> although it is very cold so maybe that's the trade-off I freeze when I get in the water but I'm prepared to do that thanks Mandy why do spider crabs migrate in huge groups so I sort of half answered your question Will didn't I I jumped ahead so it is a safety thing you know if they come in huge numbers then yes some of them will get eaten and that's the gamble, but most of them will survive to, you know, live another day and, and come back the following year or whenever they next come to molt because we're not even sure that they molt every year. This is something that's really poorly understood. So maybe some of them come in and don't molt, but they still come in for that safety aspect. So it's, a, it's just about having more 
crabs than can possibly be eaten by the stingrays so that the species survives overall. And they seem to come in the shallower waters because, you know, it's nice and clear and obviously they can see really well and the visibility is good. What is the closest relative to the giant spider crab? Ooh, now, I'm glad you sent me that these questions in advance. I did a little bit of digging for this. In terms of anything local, that's really hard to say. So I sort of found something called a masking crab because what I actually had to do was not look at the common name, which is giant spider crab. I had to look at the scientific name, which is in Latin, and it has a genus and a species name. And the genus is Leptomithrax. And there's about 15 different species of Leptomithrax. And I can't, and in the time that I was looking, I couldn't find any common names. So I couldn't even, I could tell you all that they're cousins of Leptomithrax australis or Leptomithrax bifidus. And I thought, that doesn't sound very um, cool, does it? Because that doesn't really give you a picture of what these crabs are. So the closest one I could find was a, a giant masking crab. So they'll all have a similar shape, um, you know, it's a kind of a, a sort of a triangular shaped body and quite long stringy legs compared to most other crab species, but not necessarily local to here. So that's that's the kind of best I can give you at the moment. And I think that's why they're such a difficult one for us to look after is because they are just out on their own and we know so little about them. Do you know of any groups that researches or protects the giant spider crabs? Oh, yes, I can definitely answer this one. So the museum, uh, Museums Victoria have done some research just in terms of their biology and their anatomy. Other research is very thin on the ground. So actually the VFA, which is the Fisheries Authority, just started a little bit of research. They've actually tagged some crabs with satellite trackers and they are going to see where those satellite trackers are released and they've set 15 up and every week one of them should release. In fact, I'm due to have an update next week as to what they've found out so far because they want to find out where they go basically once they've finished their molting. In terms of other research, not a lot, but we've got in, in the campaign that we've got going, We've got some ideas about some citizen science that we'd like to do next year. I can't say too much about it at the moment because we're sort of still in the planning stages. But, yeah, we definitely want to up the research that's um, been done. In terms of protection, last year about three of us formed the Spider Crab Alliance. So that's myself and Jackie who works with me and also for a dive company, and then the owner of that dive company, AJ. So we put Spider Crab Alliance together. So we started the ball rolling. We had the petition set up. We started meetings with the VFA. Coming into this season, and this season was a bit of a schmuzzle. It was a disaster. It all coincided with the opening up after the first lockdown and very nice weekend and it just went crazy so we've actually joined forces with two other groups so we've joined forces with spider crabs melbourne which are primarily like a fan group on facebook so they're photographers and underwater you know divers and also the victorian national parks Force association which are very big on lots of 
conservation campaigns right across the, the area, not just underwater. And so the three of us have come together to form the Save Our Spider Crabs group. And we're now having very regular meetings, planning our strategy, what we're going to do. This is where the SOS signs have come from and getting people to take photographs, still pushing the petition. But we're meeting with fisheries and we're meeting with the local council and doing what we can so that next season is not going to be like this season. I mean, ideally what we want is a no-take season. We're hoping to get that, but we don't know how long that's going to take. But we definitely don't want to repeat of the season this year because it was it was just awful. There was a lot of environmental damage. There's a lot of litter, both just plastic on the pier, but also the bait that's used to catch the crabs. They're chicken carcasses and they were just discarded. There was a lot of, you know, divers having nets landing on them and not being very happy about it. So yeah, we we, we are working really hard and at the moment, we're putting in probably between all seven of us on the team, we're putting in about 20 hours a week, just, you know, really making sure this is this is unlike everything, anything I've been involved with before. This is a full-on campaign. So, in fact, I'm having another meeting this afternoon with two of them. So, yeah, it's, it's we're, we're putting out all the stops to protect this event. Right now, fishermen catch lots of spider crabs. If you can make the decision of how many spider crabs fishermen can catch, what would the number be? Zero. That would be my goal, particularly in the molting season. I'm happy. Look, I'm a vegetarian, so I would be happy if people didn't catch anything. But I understand and respect that people do different things and eat different things. So I'm more than happy. And most of us on the team are more than happy to allow them to catch a certain amount outside of the molting season. That's a very vulnerable time. But, you know, I think if all of us were pushed, we'd say if we could have whatever we wanted, we'd say no at all but the current limit of 30 is way too many um, and in many ways has been what we call a default position in that they hadn't really thought about it so it just kind of goes in with what you can catch other crab species and other crab species are much smaller so it makes sense that you can catch more and some of them are actually non-natives so they kind of want you to remove them and this is not the case with the spider crabs so yeah, I'd, I'd like something sensible, basically. If we're going to let them catch them outside of the season, then we, we certainly want a low, much lower than 30, something sensible. And a lot of fishermen agree, you know, that 30 is way too many. Thanks. That's probably what I'd choose as well. Cool. <laughs> okay, so what do you think is the most fascinating part of the spider crab? The, just the numbers. I mean, it's not often these days that you get to see something in such huge numbers you know around Christmas time I'll see a few spider crabs and they'll be wandering along the shores around Blairgarry and you know if we go out to South Tunnel Light to swim with the seals on Moonraker we'll see a few spider crabs pottering around on the bottom but just to see the sheer number of them and it's one of very few places around the world that this happens somewhere so shallow and accessible for people I think that's what blows me away and I never get sick of wanting to go in the water with them every year I'm like quite a craft season you know and I've got other friends are like oh, are you going again I'm like yes of course I am like why wouldn't I it's just so cool so that's probably the the best part of it because at the end of the day 
they're just a crab. They just do what crabs do. They don't do anything amazingly interesting. It's just that number, you know. It'd be, it'd be like going to, you know, the Serengeti and seeing two million wildebeest. You know, it's just a it's just a cattle, really, isn't it? But there's so many of them. You just your jaw drops. So that's why I love them. Thanks, Mandy. If some of our listeners would like to get involved with the Dolphin Research Institute, what should they do? Oh, well, I guess that's a two-question because you can get involved with the Dolphin Research Institute and the spider crab cane, and they're sort of a little bit separate. So I'm using my position at the Dolphin Research Institute to be a leader, but I'm not specifically standing for the dolphin research in this case because I guess, you know, we're more famous for looking after whales and dolphins. Um, so, I mean, to get involved with the dolphin research, jump on our website, check out what we do. You can obviously, if you're old enough, follow us on both Instagram and Facebook. And I'm not sure what your age range of listeners is, so I'll cover all angles. You can even adopt a dolphin, uh, and that helps to support our work. You can also be part of the spider crab campaign so spider crab alliance has a facebook page and the whole campaign save our spider crabs is on instagram so that's something that can be followed if again if you're old enough but the really good thing is you know sign the petition if you're passionate share the petition around your friends and families you can even write letters. Letters are seen as a bit old-fashioned these days, but they work. And I don't just mean emails. I mean proper hard letters on paper. You can send it to your local MP if it matters to you. you can send it to the local newspaper. That's what um, particularly down on the peninsula we're asking residents to do. But you can also send it to the minister in the state government that's responsible for fishing and boating, and her name is Melissa Horn. So She's ultimately the one that will make a decision on, you know, whether we do a no-take or whether there's a reduced catch limit, all of those conditions. So she'd be a great one to, you know, send a letter. And the more people that send letters, the more they can't ignore it, basically. You know, they can go, oh, wow, okay, it's just a couple of people who are bothered. Well, hang on, we've had 10,000 letters. This is quite important to a lot of people. So they're really practical things that anyone of any age can do basically yeah and look at next year we'll actually be having a coloring competition around this so once you guys are all back at school and a bit more settled in sort of late february march we're going to launch a coloring competition so there'll be a, an image of spider crabs under the pier and we're going to use that as a, an awareness raising so we'll not only get you to enter and try and win a prize but we'll We'll just plaster all the local shops with your designs and stuff so that we can really celebrate the crabs. Well, thank you, Manny, for joining us today on our Marine Ambassadors podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for doing it. I think it's so cool that you guys have decided to take this on and, and make a podcast of it. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Karen Primary School Marine Ambassadors podcast. Have a great day.